a circle. Simple, round, refined. A shape that was spoken into existence with the universe. And a shape that holds powerful meaning. We see this shape all over creation. The sun, stars, our earth. And we find it in some of our most precious possessions. It's a beautiful symbol of wholeness and completeness. A symbol of infinite motion. It's a shape that represents love and commitment and a symbol of unity. Unity, an idea of connectedness even when separated. To be a group of people moving in the same direction with the same heartbeat. It's an idea that we, as a family of churches, are better together than we are by ourselves. We were never meant to be alone. And we believe in being a community of action, that our love for one another will drive us beyond the four walls into our communities to share the transformative presence of God with our neighbors. It's a love that brings families back together. That's the community we strive to be, bringing heaven to earth. Amazing things happen when a group of people commit to one cause, when they rally around the same mission, something happens. You have a movement, a God-given mission and vision for our future. God has given all of us a unique part to play in accomplishing what he has set before us. And we are most impactful when we stay true to who God has called us to be, because the kingdom of God doesn't need any more replication of other ministries and it doesn't need any more imitation. What it needs is innovation that comes through obedience. For we experience no greater freedom than when we are walking in step with Christ and going where he has called us to go. But we know that our God is for us. And we know that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So here we stand with a lamp on our feet and a light on our path, coming alive to our calling. For we are Grace Capital Church, and this is our awakening. Well, welcome to Grace Capital Church. Can anybody just yell out the name of Jesus? Jesus! Oh, my, my. I just, oh, being in God's presence is like, whoa. <laughs> I don't know if I can preach this morning. <laughs> oh, man. But you know what? God has a message for us. If you take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 4, actually chapter 6, Acts chapter 6, we are going through this series called Awakening. Last week was the first message on that, and we said God's presence changes us. And if you have been in life group this week, by the way, can you just raise your hands? How many people went to life group this past week? Oh, yeah. That was awesome. You know, I so love what God is doing. I had the opportunity to invite some of my neighbors to our life group. And I don't know why we get surprised by when God does things. We shouldn't be surprised, but these neighbors, I thought, there's no way they're going to say yes to come to our house to do a Bible study. And they said yes. <laughs> and they showed up at my house, and we worshiped, and we talked about God, and we prayed for one another, and they left feeling encouraged like they want to come back. I was like, oh, God is so good. 
All right, I, I still need to get to Acts here. I'm, I'm just getting a little sidetracked here this morning. Do you realize that what we're doing by going through this awakening series and why it's so important that we're in life group together is because these seven weeks are actually going through the seven values of who we are as a church. But this is not some study that was taken off of some shelf anywhere. This is us. This is who God has uniquely made us to be. In the first week, we talked about how God's presence changes us, and we need to start with God's presence. But we can't end on God's presence. We need to go to the next level, which is God's Holy Spirit empowers us because just his presence, being in his presence isn't enough. You know, we experienced his presence here this morning. But you know what? As much as we love that and God desires us to be in his presence, it's not enough. Because his presence should then also desire to be filled with his Holy Spirit, which should empower us to go into the world and bring the hope of Jesus to other people. You see, it's, it's like this whole idea that we, we encounter God and God transforms us, but then he puts his spirit inside of us to go transform everything else around us. And that's why today we need to talk about our second value as a church. Let me just tell you what our mission is as Grace Capital Church. Our mission is to go create communities that develop people, families, and leaders to know and enjoy his presence, to enjoy God's presence. But here's the point, to restore every person, town, and city. You see, we've been called to a mission field. It's great that we get to go to Mexico on a missions trip, but we're going so we can learn how to become better missionaries to our cities to our schools, to our workplaces. You see, each one of us who are here are actually ministers. Did you realize that? You are a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he wants to use you. He doesn't want you just to go to church. He wants you to be the church. So in Acts chapter 6, we have this account of a, a man named Stephen. And we're going to read about this account. We're going to start with verse 1. Now in the, of chapter 6. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists. Let me tell you who the Hellenists were. These are actually Greek-speaking Jews that were in exile in Greece, and then they came back to Jerusalem. They're known as the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, Is it not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables? Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute or reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom whom we will appoint to do this duty. Let, let me just stop for there for a moment. I think sometimes when we read that verse, we think that somehow the, the apostles who are preaching the word of God were somehow elevated like we can't do the serving dirty work. We are, have progressed beyond that. We are too holy for that. 
I think that is wrong thinking. I believe what it is, is they understood their assignment. Do you realize that each one of us, God gives you an assignment. God gives you a plan and a purpose. He gives you an assignment. And I think what they're saying is we can't stop preaching the word of God. That's our assignment. But we do know it's important to care for the needs of those who are poor or the widows. You see, back then, the widows didn't typically have the support of others. They really relied on the charity of others. And so when they would be gleaning from the fields, they would allow the widows to come behind them and take excess food. But you see, these widows weren't being neglected. And then they said, you're right. We do need to care for them. But interestingly enough, the people that they choose, well, let's read who they choose. So they gave the qualifications. Interestingly enough, the qualifications were full of the Holy Spirit. What? To serve? We need to be full of the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. Let me just pause there again for a moment. Because here's the thought on this. I think sometimes when we're asked to serve, we kind of feel like, oh, I guess I better say yes. And I guess... Well, it's my day to serve today at the church. Man, I, how come I'm on the schedule like three times this month? And all of a sudden we start getting a little grumpy about serving. But just a second. But maybe we're sar- serving with the wrong idea and the wrong attitude. Maybe we need to say, hey, you know what? Fill me with your spirit, God, that I might serve you as I serve your people. Fill me, God, that I might be full of your spirit. And now all of a sudden we might, instead of saying, oh, man, it's my day to serve at the church, we'd be like, oh, man, it's my day to serve at the church. Woo! Man, I can't believe it. I get to serve because you're full of the spirit. So that was just a little side dish for you this morning. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This is verse 4. Now it's verse 5. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Pronculus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas. I know these weird words from people's names. Nicholas is not so weird. I like that name. All right, and a proselyte of of Antioch. A proselyte is basically one who has been converted. That's what a proselyte means. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Now, verse 8, and you'll see this reference on the screen. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. And Stephen, who was chosen to be the server of the tables, the server who was looking after the widows, Stephen, of great grace and power, Oh, what? Maybe, maybe do we receive the great grace and power first starts by our heart attitude to serve? Wait a second. I just want the power. Give me the power. 
Oh, oh, but maybe we first need to humble ourselves and come before the Lord and say, God, I need more of your spirit in my life that I might be used by you and serve. And as we serve and as we're going along serving, God gives us these divine appointments, but also these divine assignments to accomplish things for his purpose in his kingdom. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. I want us to, to read this together, but instead of that word Stephen, I want you to put your name in there. We're going to do this together. It's going to sound a little funky because everybody's going to give their different name. We're all not name the same people here. On the count of three, you're going to use your own name. One, two, three. And Mark, full of grace and power. You just talked about yourself. And this is God's heart and desire for you and me. That we would function full of grace and power. It's not us who's doing the work. The power is the power of God's presence inside of us. Remember what we said last week. God's presence changes us. He transforms us, but why? It's so then we can be placed on mission to accomplish things for him. And we, if we try to do it on our own strength, we're going to fail. But if we do it in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit and realize we're tuning our spiritual ears to his voice, that we begin to be placed on a mission. And wherever we go, God's presence goes. And, and when God's presence goes, we remember, we talked about it, when God's presence shows up, things change. So wherever you go, if you're full of the Holy Spirit, be looking out for people's lives to change. Because God has called each one of you to be ministers, dispensers of hope that only Jesus can bring. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians and those from Sicilia and Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen. I'm also going to let you know that when you start flowing and functioning in the Holy Spirit, something else is going to happen. The religious folks are going to start getting a little cheesed at you. It's true. Because, and you know what? Just in case you're thinking, well, I'm not religious. You just wait until something gets out of your comfort zone. All of a sudden, you're going to be like, ding, 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 ding. That can't be God. And you start mustering up all these things of these walls are like, oh, man, this is out of my comfort zone. We better shut this thing down. But is that really God speaking or is that our religious spirit rising up? You see, because when God's spirit moves and when their God is flowing and all of a sudden lives are being radically changed. See, Stephen was working with signs and wonders. And it was ticking off the religious folks because they're saying, no, 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 no. It doesn't look like that. 
the last time I checked, God was God and I am not. And God can choose to do what God chooses to do. But, you know, here's the thing for me. I've got to just say, I've got to run it through this filter. Our lives being changed for good. Our people being set free. And does Jesus get the glory? You see, if we begin to run it through that filter, then all of a sudden when things go a little bit crazy and a little bit hairy, we, we then start feeling this little religious thing coming up and we're like, uh-uh, I'm going to whack you back down. Get down there, religious spirit. You do not belong because people are being set free. Because Jesus is getting the glory. But I want to tell you it's going to happen. When we allow God's spirit to move through us, you're going to get some opposition. And you know what? That's part of living the life fully devoted to Jesus. But here's the cool thing. So as they're coming against Stephen, but here's Stephen. I love it. It gets him killed, but I love it. It says, verse 10, but they could not withstand the wisdom of the spirit which he was speaking. So then he goes on in chapter 7, this whole discourse, he's basically regurgitating the Old Testament in front of them. He's thinking, oh, religious people, you think you know all the deep, but by the, by the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, he starts giving this massive discourse. Stephen, which by the way, was doing the dirty work of serving. You see, why is it that we think that, that somehow you get on a platform that you get elevated? I, this is just my assignment. It's just a different assignment because those who are in kids' ministry right now, oh my word, Jesus is celebrating that these people are working into our kids' ministry and pouring into their lives. They're functioning in their assignment. It doesn't make them any less or more because they're not up here. No, it's just a different assignment. And these religious people got so upset at him that they began to drag him in before the council, and ultimately, Stephen gets stoned. At some point in time, the church needs to understand, are you willing to go to the degree to stand up for Jesus that it might cost you your life? There might be a day where that might happen. Do you understand there are people who are just dying to get into our country to whack off some Christians? It's true. And are you going to be full enough of God's spirit that you are going to be living in tune with him, that you're going to tick some people off that who might just want to kill you? And you know what? You're going to be okay with that. I love this. In his act of being stoned, Stephen does the very same thing that Jesus did when he was being on the cross. Chapter 7 in Acts, verse 60. Well, I'll start in 59. And they were stoning Stephen, and he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He knows he's dying. And falling on his knees, he cries out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He died. 
what his last words out of his mouth are. God, just for, they don't know what they're doing. And you know what? I care about them, the ones that are actually stoning him. He cares about them. You see, when we're filled with God's spirit, we realize that we care about people. We don't care about being right as much as caring about being filled with God's spirit and so he can transform the heart of people. Let's back up to Acts chapter 7, verse 51. And this is kind of what ticked off the religious people. I I, I would say that if you... you don't want to get killed you might want to just tone down your your words a little bit here but here's what he says you stiff-necked people uncircumcised hearts and ears you always resist the holy spirit Stephen, you could have just said you know what god just not really happy with you right now and you probably would have had your life spared But the boldness of God's spirit compelled him to speak the truth. And you know what? I do believe it was the truth in love. You know why I know that? Because of what he said at the end when he was dying. He says, forgive him, Father. You see, I think sometimes we just get mamsy-pamsy on the the word of God. We get mamsy-pamsy on the truth. And we're afraid to speak the truth because we're afraid that it might bring conviction. Hello? Do, do we, we want transformation of people's hearts and the word of God will convict people and that's a good thing. You see, we have to love people so much that we're willing to tell them the truth in love and this truth in love is really this. I love you so much that I am not going to allow you to live another day bound. I'm not going to let you live another day hopeless. I'm going to speak the truth to you. You see, we all have to come to the place of learning to yield to the Holy Spirit. That's what Stephen was saying to the religious people. He goes, you're stiff-necked. In other words, you're not willing to bend. You're not even willing to consider He says, yield to the Holy Spirit. See, this is where there's life to be found. The Holy Spirit wants to place each and every one of us on an assignment. Tomorrow when you wake up, the Holy Spirit wants to dwell richly in you. So tomorrow, you can accomplish what God wants to accomplish through you tomorrow. But to do that, you need to have the fullness of God's Spirit in your life. And you have to have your spiritual ears tuned in enough to be able to say, is that you, God? Do you realize that the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that dwells within you? Mm. If you understand that the spirit of God who rose Jesus from the dead. And by the way, it's the same spirit that was in Jesus. So whatever Jesus did, we will also be able to do. Because it's not us, it's the spirit of God in us. When I was younger, um, 
And, and this is where it's important to hear the Holy Spirit. You just can't, I, be, I was like Simon the Sorcerer. I wanted the power, but I didn't necessarily, was in tune to what the Spirit of God was doing. I knew that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead could rise somebody else from the dead. So I was at a funeral once, and I at least knew not to do it with the person that was, I was there to foresee the funeral. That had been a little bit weird. But So I went, snuck off to another room where there's still a casket and a dead body, and the casket is open. And I started praying. I said, God, bring this person to life in Jesus' name. Well, the problem was the Spirit of God never was telling me to do that. I just wanted to see his power be manifest. And you see, this is where it, it will, it's a good lesson for us to not get weird, to not get like wonky. You just listen for what the Holy Spirit is saying and you respond in obedience to him and you let him do the job. You let him do the work. Our job is to listen and respond. Listen and respond. No, that person did not come back to life, and I'm glad they didn't. I would have, that would have been a mayhem. Now, but if God did want me to rise, raise somebody from the dead, and he spoke, I would hope I would have the faith to say, you know what? God has spoken, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to expect that he's going to raise this person from the dead. Oh, that would be like really <laughs> stretching it for me, but hey, Jesus healed the blind. Jesus healed the lame. Jesus set the captives free. That means the same spirit was in Jesus could also be in us doing the same things. But we're to yield to his spirit. Hey, just in case you think I might be preaching heresy here, let's back this up by the word of God. Romans 8. Romans 8, chapter 11. Ah, chapter 11. Verse 11. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead also dwells in you and me. What if we started living that way? What if we started living with anticipation that God is going to use each one of us to bring life to our situations, to bring life to our homes, to bring life to our schools, to bring life to the grocery store? Could it be? But our job is to yield to what the Spirit is doing. That means we've got to train our spiritual ears. That means you need to be in God's Word. That means you need to be praying. That means that you need to be like, God, what are you doing? Help me to grow in my spiritual discernment. You see, the Great Commission is waiting for you to act on it. See, we will not be able to, to fulfill the Great Commission if we're not full of God's Spirit. Because otherwise, we're just going to be doing it on our flesh, and our flesh does not produce the fruit that God wants produced. 
It's the things that, that work in our spirits, the Holy Spirit that produces the great fruit. If the musicians want to come up at this time, I, I want us to kind of bring this to a close with this thought. If every member is a minister, and if God has created you to accomplish something of great significance for his kingdom, and he wants to do that through us, and he wants his Holy Spirit to fill us so we can be equipped to be empowered to do that. You see, we talk about power a lot in life and, and we think that somehow the power that we look for in the world, it somehow makes us feel powerful, but it's all fake power because the true power comes from the Holy Spirit. You see, a life with His power is a powerful life. I want to see a church you, the church, to be powerful people. Well, I'm, I'm, in, I'm a little bit shy. The Holy Spirit will embolden you. Well, that's out of my comfort zone. The Holy Spirit will equip you. Well, just, you know, I, I don't think I can, but the Holy Spirit says you can. All you need to do is say, Holy Spirit, I yield to you. Empower me that I might be used for your kingdom, for your glory, to set the captives free. And then you realize you get used and you realize there's no possible way that was me. It's like, who gets the glory? Jesus gets the glory. You see, his power being evidenced in us is one of the most beautiful things that glorifies Jesus. It is one of the most beautiful things that begin to glorify Jesus because when he works through us and we realize that, that it was not us, we just yielded to him, we begin to praise him and celebrate him like never before. I think sometimes we feel like, well, it might play on my ego. And yeah, you know what? If, you're, if your motives are right, don't worry about the ego thing. If the ego thing wants to come up, just go, bam! I'm going to take care of you, man. I'm going to get rid of ego. You knock it down. You put it back in its place. And then you go, see? It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. He gets the glory. And the atmosphere around our life begins to change. Our homes begin to change. Our workplace begins to change. Our schools begin to change. I had the privilege of being at the Awakening Conference on and off Friday night, the full night, and then Saturday, yesterday on and off. And at a lunch or a dinner break, I was talking to one of the girls that goes to my son's school which by the way my wife wishes she was here but she's serving in Laconia one of these days we'll get our schedules aligned and 
we'll be here together. But this girl came to the Awakening Conference not knowing Jesus. On Friday night, she gave her life to Jesus. But that's not it. You see, she experienced God's presence, but she took it to the next level, which is this. She said, I said, so, so what are you going to do now? She says, I'm bringing Jesus to my school. What? A girl two days ago, not knowing who Jesus is, comes into his presence. And then what is she going to do? She's going to be empowered by his spirit to change the atmosphere of her school. Oh, see, that's his power making your life a very powerful life. And the Holy Spirit doesn't care about your age. He doesn't care how old you are or how young you are. All he cares about is are you yielded to him? Today, we're going to respond to his presence. We're going to respond to what he is asking us. Can everybody, if you're able, just to stand for a moment? I want this request to not be a request from me, but I want it to be a request from the Holy Spirit. If this message has touched a part of your heart where you are saying, I need to yield greater to his presence. I need to yield greater to the Holy Spirit in my life. That I need my spiritual ears to be tuned so I can understand my assignment. And if that is you, part of yielding is learning how to step out in faith. And I believe that this morning, as you step out of your seats to just come up front, is a symbol of yielding to the Holy Spirit to say, I'm available, Holy Spirit, to be used by you. As the band is going to play this last song, I just want you to respond to the Holy Spirit. And if he's saying, this is you, that he wants you to be filled, filled with grace and power that you would respond to him. Father, I just pray each and every one of us would not hold back if we hear you speaking to us. And even if we don't hear you, Father, in the act of faith of saying, God, I want to be used by you, the act of coming forward will activate that in your life. And God will use you. Nothing worth more So come Could ever come close Nothing compare I live in hope Presence, Lord 
changes everything. As we're just in this moment, nobody moving just for a second. There are many times when people have been asked to be filled with his spirit. That God gives a, a, a new language. And this is, I just don't want you to be surprised if all of a sudden you leave here and all of a sudden it's like, what is coming out of my mouth? <laughs> God just wants to give you a prayer language. But I also want to tell you, if that's not there, there have been many times in scriptures that there are people who have been filled with the Spirit and we don't see any evidence of, of another language. God, we just want to receive all that you have for us. God, that we would also model what Stephen did, who was full of the Spirit, but he, he gave himself to serve others. God, let us be a church known as one who pursues you, but pursues others relentlessly. That we would serve one another and we would serve the body, but we would serve our communities. Attune our ears to your Holy Spirit that we would understand our divine appointments we would understand our assignments that we would say yes to you and be used by you and we will hear the testimonies of transformed lives of healings of people being set free from addictions because we're all ministers of the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ Father, as we leave today, as we leave today, we want to say yes to you, that we yield to your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you go, just, I'm going to, Mr. Kreider, would you just come up for a moment? I just want to introduce, I was going to introduce him later, uh, earlier, but I didn't see him. But, but this is an area pastor in our district where Pastor Peter is. You know Pastor Peter, right? So I serve with him on the district council, and he and his wife came up and just spent a couple days with us. But I want to introduce you to another Foursquare pastor, but also an area pastor. He's here with his lovely wife. And, and so we appreciate those who continue to say yes to serve the Lord. And thank you for being our guest today. Love you. Love you. Guys, have an amazing, amazing week. Yield to his presence. Yield to the Holy Spirit. Say yes. Expect to see what God is going to do through you this week. Enjoy you going through this deeper this week in your life group. We're going to be talking about the fruit and the gifts in your life group. You don't want to miss it. If you want to gather and grow, we have some books also at the Info Hub. You can just grab a DVD and some books. Go gather, gather a few of your friends and do this together. Love you guys. Have a great day.